Well, before we start looking ahead to week two in the Pac-12 football slate, who are the biggest winners and losers from week one? Where does USC land? Where does Washington land? And everybody else in the conference, some teams were winners, some teams are losers, some teams a little bit in between. And just because you won does not make you a winner in week one. Let's go. We're locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, do one play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, wherever you're listening to or watching the show. We're getting ever closer to that 1,000 subscription mark on the YouTube channel. Hopefully, we can get that here in the next week or so. I appreciate everybody out there who has done so already. And all of you who continue to engage with and support the show, I truly do appreciate that. Today's episode brought to you by the official recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network, LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. Just because you win in college football does not mean that it is cause for celebration or optimism within a a fan base or a college football program. Not all wins are created equal. It's one of the things that makes this sport so fascinating and distinct from the NFL. At the professional level, a win is a win. But at the college level, there are a lot of takeaways that you can have that are positive in a loss. You can have negative takeaways in a win. So we're going through today and giving a a label, so to speak, on every single Pac-12 school and uh, who was a winner, who was a loser, who was kind of somewhere in between. Uh, and there were uh, plenty of both, kind of four or actually five categories that uh, we'll, give, we'll give to each of the schools here on the show. One of five, I should say. Uh, I'll start with USC. I think USC and Washington are kind of in the same category after this week. And to me, that's lean win. And I feel that way because, yes, they, they won their games. That is an upgrade. Washington, of course, lost to an inferior opponent a year ago in Montana. So at the very least, you can tangibly look at that if you're a Husky fan and say, yeah, this is better at this point in time than it was a year ago. Still, though, when you're a big favorite, it's hard to have it's hard to have conclusions that you can take away. But week one in general, and especially when you're playing an FCS or a low mid major opponent like uh, USC in Washington were. It's important that you take away observations rather than conclusions because you can't conclude anything about Washington or USC based on those particular opponents other than it won't be an abject disaster. That's the only conclusion that that you can take with those two wins and both Washington and USC looked the way that they were supposed to, but until they play one of the more legitimate teams on their schedule, it'll be hard to know for sure. But USC... In particular, again, I, th- I thought Washington looked good. Penix was uh, impressive uh, against the golden flashes of, of Kent State. I think Washington covered in, in that game. If, if you cover a big spread when you're a favorite, that's generally a good sign uh, for any team that, that is favored in that sense when you're playing at home. Um, but USC putting up 60-plus points, that's quite a statement from uh, Lincoln Riley and the Trojans' offense, to be sure, and it puts people on notice. But until you're playing a school that's not named after a kind of food, one that I enjoy, everybody likes rice or some kind of rice, brown rice over white rice, by the way, just for anybody out there who needs to know. But 
I think what you saw from USC was execution. And that's something that was just severely lacking uh, a season ago. And look, the offense will get all the attention because they scored 60 points. I think it was the first time in quite a while that they had done that. And it's not as if they hadn't had cupcake games in previous years with the previous staff and the previous players that were there. So that's you know something that you can feel good about. Sorry, I bumped the table that my laptop's sitting on uh, for those of you watching on YouTube. And something you can feel good about if you're a USC Trojan fan, but it's not at a point in time where you can, you know, firmly put yourself in the mindset of USC is going to win the Pac-12 championship this year because they blew out Rice in week one. Like, that's not the way you feel about it. Not all wins created equal. In fact, one team in the conference that was uh, a winner on the record book is actually a loser for the week. I'll, I'll tell you who that is a little bit later. But Washington, USC, I think those two teams lean win because they looked the way you want to look against an inferior opponent. Washington scored, I think, on each of their first three possessions. They had a turnover on the first play of the game. They were they were jumping on them from the get-go. USC's defense made a couple plays, had a touchdown or two uh, in that one. Like There were a lot of positive things to take away if you're a Trojan or Husky fan, but I put them in the same category. It's a lean win, right? You can be lean win, lean loser, uh, no opinion losers, and, and then the winners as well. And there are uh, two big winners and two big losers from, or rather three big losers from uh, the first weekend of game. So let's go to the other side of uh, the coin there, and that's lean loser. And I put UCLA in here. Now, they covered a 23.5-point spread themselves, just like Washington did, but a couple things. Number one, their attendance was really lackluster. That was disappointing. USC, or UCLA, rather, is going into year five under Chip Kelly. They have the highest over-under win total of any year he's been there. They have a fifth-year quarterback in Dorian Thompson-Robinson. An all-American caliber running back, caliber running back in Zach Charbonnet, a highly rated transfer portal class, a good offensive line. I mean, there are a lot of reasons to feel good about UCLA this year. My preseason win prediction for them, and again, not all wins created equal because their schedule is really easy, but it was 10. And even if you don't have a big game in the non-conference slate, it was disappointing to see how empty it looked at the Rose Bowl on TV in a weekend where the Pac-12 struggled optically. I'm sure not a lot of people outside of the West Coast were paying attention to UCLA and Bowling Green, but that wasn't a great look. And the other thing is UCLA took a while to get going in this game. Eventually they turned it on. And if you just looked at the score, you'd say, oh, well, that was a big win and everything was, you know, hunky-dory. It was all good and fine. No, UCLA was losing in this game. They were losing to Bowling Green. And that's just not something that should happen. And if you're a UCLA fan, it shouldn't make you panic. But it should give you pause, right? Kind of the uh, the inverse feeling of Washington and, and USC fans, how they should be feeling right now, which is, all right, I feel pretty good, but I don't want to get overconfident. But I saw some good things here, and let's see how these things develop, right? Observations, not conclusions. UCLA, if you're a fan of the Bruins and you're looking at that game, you, you have to be asking yourself, why do we start so slow, and how can we avoid doing that once conference play begins? UCLA's got two more cupcakes in South Alabama, and I think Alabama State is the other one. They better be 3-0, but once they get into Pac-12 play, they can't afford to show up like that because if they're going to be Utah the way I think they might here in 2022, you can't have that sort of start. The Utes are going to make you pay. Heck, it looks like USC might make you pay. We'll see how they're playing when, uh, when that game comes around. It's a couple months away, but if you're UCLA, you needed to start better than that. 
And look, they ultimately got the win. The defense put down the clamps with with new defensive coordinator uh, Bill Musgrave. I, I, that that's encouraging. Not uh, Bill McGovern. Sorry, but McGovern is Musgrave is the OC for Cal. Just jumbling them all around in my head. So that at least is encouraging that you didn't let an inferior opponent continue to score points and you held them under 20. But the fact that you were losing in that game and that the offense was not executing at a level that that they need to be to contend for a Pac-12 championship this year, which I, I do believe they're capable of doing, you, you have to have a little bit of pause there. And hopefully in their next two games, they come out ready to roll from uh, the get-go because that's just... A start you can afford against Bowling Green, South Alabama, and Alabama State. You can't afford that against Utah, USC. We'll see how Oregon is by the time that uh, that game comes around. But a number of other teams in the Pac-12 will make you pay. UCLA can't keep having that. The other team that was uh, a lean loser was also a winner over the weekend. I'll tell you who that is after I tell you about LinkedIn. And as fall approaches, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on at college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Not just the terms, the conditions too. Washington State is that team that won but was a loser over the weekend. And I was high on the Cougars coming into this year in the North I've, I had their record prediction at seven and five. I think their floor was probably five and seven. They did not look like a seven and five or potentially eight and four team. They look closer to a four or five win team over the week. And they're playing Idaho at home. Cam Ward is there, the incarnate Ward transfer who lit it up at the FCS level. He's playing an FCS opponent, and the offense struggled. Now, thankfully for the Cougars, the defense looked the way you, you would mostly expect and, and want them to against Idaho, which at one point in time was an FBS program, but dropped down to the uh, FCS level, now playing in the Big Sky, same league as uh, NAU, Montana, Montana State, all Pac-12 opponents here in uh, 2022. Montana was last year, Montana State this year. But anyway, so it's not a very good FCS school either. Uh, Idaho has fallen on tough times there in Pocatello. They're not particularly strong. And the fact that at the end of this game, they were driving for the tie that's not good. That That is not good if you're Washington State. Now, I don't put them in the full-on uh, you know, category of being one of the losers from one of the weekend because they literally won their game. But, and again, you, you are not necessarily going to be in the losers category if you lose. You have a high probability, but it's not a surefire thing. If Oregon had lost 31-24, I think that would have been you know, a, a lean win or a winner's thing, but obviously that didn't happen. We'll get to the Ducks a little bit later here. But Washington State, this is not how you wanted to start. I mean, the question that I had about the Cougars coming into this year was Cam Ward at the quarterback position. It certainly didn't help that Jaden Delora down Arizona lit it up and made Arizona one of the undisputed winners of the first weekend of, of the Pac-12 football slate here in uh, in week one. But 
And by the way, when I say winners and losers, I'm talking about how the fans should be feeling, whether you have something worth celebrating or feeling optimistic about. That's kind of where I'm coming from, from that particular angle. But I I tell you what, Washington State, that, that was not a good start. And maybe it'll get better, right? Maybe they're just working out the kinks and they've got a tough opponent, Wisconsin, this week. They're 17 point road underdogs. If they play like they did this week, it could be an Oregon-Georgia kind of score because they were struggling to move the ball. Cam Ward did not look the way you would hope. The biggest question I had about them coming into this year was, can Cam Ward make the leap from FCS to FBS? It is a different level with different speed, smarter coaches. You have a lot of changes to deal with there. Is he going to be able to make that leap? That was the number one question coming into the season. And in week one, the answer was definitely no, because and that can change. Right, It's a long season, long way to go. I'm not spelling all doom and gloom here for Washington State, but that was an FCS opponent, and Washington State looked like they were on the same level, and they should not have been. And that was uh, a discouraging start a little bit for Washington State. Uh, so UCLA and the Cougs, they are lean loser. Again, both winners over the weekend, but not the way you wanted to show up. Uh, no opinion on three teams, by the way. Not even really going to go into them. Cal, Stanford, Arizona State. They played FCS schools. And look, all you can really do against an FCS opponent with these particular groupings is be in the no opinion category, which is right in the middle. It's like, did what you were supposed to do. Cal did what they were supposed to do. Jaden Ott, four-star freshman running back. He looked really good. Uh, was active in the passing game as well for for the Bears. Uh, see if that's able to continue as, as they move into a tougher part of their schedule. Um, but they beat UC Davis. Stanford beat Colgate, Arizona State beat NAU. That's not, and Arizona State was very close to being in a lean loser category because they also started kind of slow. Now their defense was lights out as they should be against ASU, but the offense, a little bit of a sluggish start. They figured it out. They end up with with 40 points at the end of the day. Um, But, you know, when you look the way you should against an FCS opponent, not an inferior opponent like Kent State and Rice for, uh, U.S. or for Washington, USC, respectively, right? Those are at least FBS schools, which is why they can be in the lean win category. But when you're playing FCS level opponent, you, you should blow them out. And Stanford had no issue with Colgate, and Cal had no issue with UC Davis, and ASU for the most part had no issue with NAU. So uh, they get the the no opinion distinction. Um, let's go to the the the. What's the word I'm looking for? They're polar opposites of uh, this particular scale. There's kind of five categories. One's over here. One's over here. I've done the three in the middle. Now let's go at the ends. Let's start with the negative. The losers of the weekend. There were three. Oregon, number one. Utah was at least competitive. Colorado was not. Um, I'll get to them in a moment. But I think the biggest loser of the weekend was probably Oregon because of how they lost. You didn't have to win this game to get a positive distinction here after week one here on Locked On Pac-12. But you need to do more than that. I mean, that was as bad as it could have been. I don't know how it could have been worse. Oregon's defense allowed seven straight touchdowns to Georgia before they pulled their starters. They showed no indication they're going to be able to make a stop. And it was game one for Dan Lanning and that staff, and they got worked. There's a talent gap between Oregon and Georgia. It's not a 49 to 3 talent gap. That's the talent gap between Georgia and Vanderbilt. Not Georgia and Oregon. That was a coaching mismatch. I'd argue even more than it was a talent mismatch. Kirby Smart after the game said, "Well, Dan will never admit this, but we have better players." He's right. 
But what no one is going to admit, and I will freely say here on the show, is that was a coaching mismatch. First-time full-time play caller in Kenny Dillingham as the offensive coordinator for Oregon. He and Bo Nix were not ready for that. Dan Lanning and the staff as a whole got worked by a Georgia staff that's been there for six or seven years and is just absolutely rolling. They coast their guys very well who have been in their system for a couple of years. That was a coaching mismatch even more than it was a personnel mismatch. And look, again, no one expect Oregon to – to, to win this game. If it had been 38 to 20, right? Even if Georgia covers, like that doesn't put Oregon as an undisputed loser. I think it would have been lean loser then, but that was bad. That was as bad as it could have been. Uh, and Oregon definitely, definitely uh, has to be feeling uh, some negatives uh, amongst the fan base. And I can assure you that there are plenty of negative vibes uh, pilferating through Oregon fans and, and that they're, they're right to feel that way. I don't think it's panic time for the Ducks because it's a long season and coaches start slow in their careers as head coaches all the time. But that was not the world's most encouraging start to the 2022 season. In fact, it was about the least encouraging start you could have asked for. The other two losers of the weekend, Utah. Now I thought about putting them into the lean loser category, but I felt strongly about this, that the Pac-12 needed it. Utah needed it. You had the most preseason hype ever for the Utes. And that's a winnable game. And you had chances, and they just didn't execute. And I was talking about this yesterday with JT Wistersill of Locked On Utes. And for those of you who missed it, a brief recap. The reason it was so gut-wrenching to watch as someone who was pulling for the Pac-12 to try and salvage its brand however possible, and it is looking pretty bleak at this point in time. I like when coaches, for my teams or other teams, put the ball in their hands of their best players in the biggest moments or rely on what a football team does well rather than getting gimmicky or getting cute, not overthinking it, just saying, this is what we do well, and this is the play we're going to call in this situation. Utah, first and goal inside the five, end up with a goal line stand. They trusted their offensive line. They should have just called a quarterback sneak, but they trusted their offensive line, and they didn't get it done. And they trusted Tavion Thomas. He did not get it done in that particular moment. He might have been in on one of those touchdown runs, but it was pretty hard to say. Then they're driving down to at least kick a field goal, go to overtime, if not win the game right then and there. And I'm fine with the play call from Kyle Weddingham to put the ball in the hands of Cam Rising, who is not a turnover-prone guy and who had played a good game. Not perfect, but he had played a good game. He marches him right down the field, and he makes a bad decision. It sucks because you want to rely on your best players in those moments, and Cam Rising just didn't deliver. And that's not something we've seen from him a lot since he took over for Charlie Brewer a year ago. He's been so solid, so consistent, so smart with the football. And in that particular moment, he just wasn't. But that's a game uh, Utah needed to have to create a, a more feasible path to the college football playoff. They could still get there, but they'd have to run the table now. Uh, they'd have to run the table, and they need Florida to be at least an eight, if not a nine-win team in the SEC for it to look like a respectable loss. Um, but yeah, Utah to me falls into this category because that was just such a big game. I said going into the weekend, that's the one the Pac-12 absolutely has to have, and they didn't get it because of execution in uh, the final moments there. Uh, the other loser, this one flew a, a little bit under the radar because it was on Friday and because 
the preseason expectations not particularly high. Picked by Pac-12 media members and myself to be last in the conference champions this year. Colorado, man, it sucked. What a great environment. I just, I feel for Buffs fans, man. Man, I really do. Because that environment is awesome. That team has not been good since they joined the Pac-12. They have had two winning seasons since they joined the Pac-12. And still, in a season opener, they can pack 40,000-plus rabid, screaming, awesome fans. Ralphie on the field pregame. It's a great college football stadium. It really, really is. And they had to watch that offense fail to score a touchdown against TCU. It's one thing for Oregon to not score a touchdown against Georgia. Probably one of the two best defenses, maybe the best defense in the country, even with all the guys they sent to the NFL the next wave of guys that are there are going to be high NFL draft picks as well. That's one of the best defenses in the country. It's not good, not acceptable, but it's a worse look when you can't score a touchdown at home against a TCU team that has a new head coach and was 5-7 and seven in 2021. Can't do that. And if I'm Colorado, I start JT Trout. He wasn't perfect in that game, but Brandon Lewis had a whole offseason J.T. Shroud's a better arm talent, and I, I think you just have a higher ceiling there based on the eye test. I, I just saw Brandon Lewis, who got away with throwing an interception. What was a bad call from uh, the referees, and uh, the interception was taken off the field. But that throw just looked like it never had a chance, and that was just one of many moments where I felt like, look, Brandon Lewis can move a little, but I just don't see it as a guy who can win a lot of games in the conference, and I don't know if J.T. Shroud can either, but... I think you got a better chance with him than Lewis. And, and that was just a really discouraging start, I know, for Buffs fans uh, to lay an egg like that against TCU. I thought they would cover the 13-half at home. I thought it was too many. It looked like it was at, at the start, but then TCU was just a better team top to bottom and uh, put up just six points at home uh, against a team that you should be able to score on. Yeah, that, that gets you into this particular category. So uh, three biggest losers of the weekend. In order, Oregon, Utah, Colorado. Uh, no opinion on Cal, Stanford, ASU. Lean winner, Washington, USC. Optimism, but you know, cautiously optimistic there. You know, wait for a little more information. Uh, and, and same thing, but on the other side, lean loser, Washington State, UCLA. And who does that leave? The two winners of the weekend. The teams that had the two biggest wins of the weekend: Oregon State and Arizona. Yeah, they're over Mountain West schools. And do I understand that it is not? massively important on a national scale that these games were won. But for these programs, and that is the way I've always consumed college football, regional product first, national product second. That's why I don't love conference realignment. And I don't love college football playoff expansion because it's nationalizing the whole thing and taking away a lot of what has made college football very special over the years. But that is a completely different conversation. On a regional individual school level, I guarantee you, Arizona fans and Oregon State fans had great weekends, and they should have. Chance Nolan looked great. The defense allowed no points in the first half, forced five turnovers. I think it was the turnover chainsaw was out in full force. And Arizona, a six-and-a-half-point underdog that won one game a season ago. All the time, I, I've hyped them up this offseason. If this is a six-win team, I would have been way off. I thought they'd win three games. They could be poised for more. They have a little bit of a wait-and-see component. You know, if they perform well against Mississippi State this week, I mean, my goodness, if they beat Mississippi State, then after, I mean, they could be close to the top 25. They they, they honestly could. I don't know if they'd get in it, but they could at least be close. 
they had tremendous weekends, both of them. Their teams look good. Only 20 points allowed on the road for Arizona. Beavs' defense was great. The offenses were sharp. The quarterbacks played well. It's just good vibes all around in Corvallis and Tucson. I mean, those are the undisputed winners uh, of week one of college football in the Pac-12, Arizona and Oregon State. And the reason I have them a class above everybody else is, you know, they're playing more legitimate opponents than Rice and Kent State. And what you saw were well-rounded team performances. I mean, they both won by uh, more than double digits. That's just not something I I think anyone really expected going into the weekend. And, And those fan bases right now should have a high sense of optimism about what the season could potentially bring. And Arizona fans, all of you watching and listening out there, get to Tucson. Pack the stadium. I, I hope it is a sellout down there in Tucson. It could be an awesome environment. It is a completely different vibe when you're coming off a road win against a Mountain West team that beat Utah a year ago and probably would have beaten Arizona a year ago convincingly. But now it is a new day with Jaden Delora, Jacob Cowing, T-Mac, and the rest of the guys that they have brought into that program. And if they are able to get a win against Mississippi State. That would be even bigger than, than beating San Diego State. Obviously, it'd be an SEC opponent. But at the very least, if they put up a really good fight against a solid SEC foe in uh, our former friend Mike Leach and uh, in Hell State, then, then Arizona could have even more optimism going forward in 2022. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.